is the bullpen on 1027 ESPN with Patrick Osborne and Brandon Elkins. Opinions are welcome at 512-834-1027. Monday, Monday edition of the bullpen. Welcome to the bullpen. Yeah, Monday and papers are flying. I know. We got, we got fans blowing stuff all over the place. a fan in here in that doesn't work. It's the smallest thing I've ever seen. And it doesn't move. Every time I t- try and move it, it breaks. Hey, how's your Monday going, Brad? <laughs> it's hot, man. It, That's it's what hot. it is. It's it hot. It is hot in this room. Yeah. We need a little ventilation. And it's not just in because here. who was here before us recently? Jason and CJ? That's them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is the bullpen, the Monday edition. Patrick Osborne, Brandon Elkins with you for the next hour here on 1027. I guess I should say it's not ESPN. only because of them. Oh, they, they, you know, they, they strike it up and they just they, they leave the fire burning for us. They get the fire burning for That's us. Right. Uh, and we just, you know, we just continue on with our great work. Yeah. Smells like dude in here. It does. Well, <laughs> only dudes on this station. Happy right Monday. Now, I'm glad you're joining in and listening to us. Yes, indeed. And, of course, we had a pretty big weekend. We did. A pretty big weekend, indeed. Of course, the... Uh, in more than one sport. In more I than am. one sport. We we, we had uh, some great moments uh, on the college gridiron, NFL. We had some great moments out of baseball. We've, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a great weekend for sports. Don't forget soccer. Oh, but oh. just for me. Well, I mean, don't forget what town you're in. The Sounders might have beaten Austin FC. Hey, we're still we're still on the outside looking in. You're the only dude who cares. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know one yeah. other. I know one other Sounders fan personally, and I do know that some go to. Uh, oh my God, I'm blank. Haymaker for. For, for games. So there's okay. a few of us out there. Okay. There are two Seahawks bars here as well. well. You know, and we may get to that, but yes, yes, indeed. The uh, Austin FC did uh, drop a, a, a 3 0 route to uh, They're gonna the be Seattle fine. Sounders over They're the week on we Saturday up in Seattle. Uh, but the big story uh, on a lot of people's minds continues to be that amazing, that gutsy performance by the Longhorns over the weekend. Hook them. Now, as close as the game ended up being, I would argue that the 15 penalties Alabama gave up were enough to, I mean, Texas didn't earn everything that it got in that game. That game was not quite as close as I think it would have been had had Alabama been playing, had firing on all cylinders, had they not made so many penalties. But a lot of those were because the Longhorns either had them schooled or, or the crowd got... Alabama off their game. Yeah. So well, you can't you can't discount the the effort too much just because of that. I see what I'm you, not I know trying what you to mean. discount it because they weren't playing like Alabama normally plays. So you almost feel like, yeah. But I mean, penalties are penalties. They're gonna have you know. It's not it's not Texas's fault that they had so many. No. Most of the time. No. It was them shooting. You know, yeah, that's that's what you have to do to beat a team like that. Absolutely. And and I mean when you look at the you know, the the underwhelming performance, say, of Alabama's receivers. Yeah. You know, I mean surprisingly that, that was extreme that was a big surprise to people. Yeah. And uh, then I, they, they just got rid of the running game altogether after they had a what, seventy five, eighty yarder? Yeah. That was it. And and the Longhorns didn't have a whole lot to be worried about, at least ter- in terms of uh, Bryce Young throwing the deep ball. He went uh, thirteen of twenty seven on the deep completions. Oh man, uh, when his receivers uh, uh, it, it, when they they couldn't they couldn't create separation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Credit Texas defense for so, that. So I'm certainly not downplaying what the Texans did. I mean, uh, what the Longhorns did mm-hmm. on on uh, Saturday. Not 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 even a little bit. I just don't think Alabama played like the Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday either. But the Longhorns certainly did not play like the five and seven Longhorns that we saw definitely last not. year. Uh, so, of course, that gutsy statement 
by your uh, Texas Longhorns has helped. Uh, they have now entered the AP Top 25. I, you know, and that's, I, I guess that's not regular, or, or I guess that's not out of the ordinary, but that's the first time I've ever noticed a team losing and making it into the top 25. Ed Clements argued this last week that, that that's a possibility, and I told him there's no way, but I guess the way you look at it, it seems like it makes sense. It makes perfect sense yeah, to me. In fact, really as does. I'm watching the game unfold, uh, I thought there as as we got late into the fourth quarter, I was thinking to myself, there's absolutely no way that the Longhorns, if it continues the way it is here, even if they lose, there's absolutely no way they won't be in the top 25. Yeah. Uh, just because of that performance. I mean, they they just, they fired on so many different cylinders. Mm-hmm. And of course, now we're now left with a whole lot of what ifs, including a very familiar what if when it comes to Texas quarterbacks right. and the Alabama Crimson Tide of what if Quinn Ewers hadn't gotten hurt. You know, man, he was firing too. He was he was slinging the ball everywhere. What if Bert Auburn had hit that little chip shot there uh, going into the yeah, uh, the, into the halftime? Half. Mm-hmm. Right? What if what if the safety hadn't been called back? Mm-hmm. Right? All these questions. What if they got now. that sack towards the Alabama's last drive that would have basically taken him out and taken him out of field field goal position? Right. Right. Uh, so th- th- this game, uh, this is a game that should not have been close. It should have been a blowout, and the fact that it wasn't, this was a statement made by the University of Texas Longhorns. Yeah. Could have been a statement win, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, there are losses and there are bad losses. Mm-hmm. This was not a bad loss whatsoever. Yeah. Now, Steve Sarkeesian will tell you there's no such thing as a moral victory as far as he's concerned. Right. And he's correct. And he is. But I think that to some degree he should let that slide, at least here, because your Longhorns weren't even in the top twenty five. Right. And you damn near knocked off the number one team in the nation team that's that terrifies anybody no matter where they go i mean i I, yeah i i can't i'm looking i can't remember but the the crimson tide have this pretty lengthy streak streak of 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 road wins uh that that just about came to an end here uh and and it would have been an incredible but you know what if viewers were was able to get back up you're right you know uh what if card hadn't gotten banged up a little bit and and spent Almost half the game limping around. I know. You know Man, uh, what a gutsy performance, though. Absolutely, My God. absolutely. Uh, pr- very promising debut, though. Uh, you know, uh, for Ewers against a team like Alabama. Absolutely, he's got ice in his veins. My nothing, friend, nothing to be uh, concerned about. I don't think, other than his injury status, mm-hmm. he's going to miss at least a month with a sprain to his left shoulder. Uh, and the MRI has confirmed that as of Saturday. That's so frustrating. So we're looking at four to six week recovery period here yep. for yep. Quinn Ewers. So it means the earliest he could return would be against the Oklahoma Sooners, the, hey, Red, the Red River Shootout. Bring it on! <laughs> uh, but he said to be experiencing significant pain, uh, not only just in the clavicle, but basic things like breathing and swallowing are yeah, said to be uh, difficult for yeah. Quinn Ewers right now. Anything around there—ribs, clavicle, collarbone—you break, you hurt something there. It's going to hurt the rest of your body for a while. And Alabama's Dallas Turner, of course, got flagged for roughing the passer there. You know, basically deserved driving yeah. Ewers into the ground. He put all 200-plus pounds of him right on his left shoulder. And so he was obviously placed by uh, replaced by Hudson Card, who was hobbled by the third quarter with an ankle injury, clearly limiting his speed and mobility. Right. But uh, said bo- post-game he, not, he never once considered leaving the game, and, and more power to him for that. I kind of thought he was not going to come back, you know, in the, in the second half Card? or at least the fourth quarter. Yeah, I just – it looks so bad. You know, he just cringed every time he had to, he had to plant that foot because – I mean, and, and it was 
I, I think he probably would have been fine, except he had to do that long run towards the end of, I think, the right. third quarter. Right. Which, I mean, it was definitely necessary and needed for them to get that first down. But I think that probably sent his pain level mm-hmm. threshold over the edge. And so he was pretty much immobile after that. Sark, I think, was a little concerned about it, too, because at one point they had third-string redshirt freshman uh, uh, Charles Wright warming up. Yeah. And so uh, Bacard ended up finishing 14-22, 158 yards, uh, nearly led the Longhorns to that upset, upset of top-ranked uh, Crimson Tide. Uh, he is expected to make his third career start on Saturday against UTSA. I don't have any, honestly, I don't have any worries about having Hudson Card back there. To do what he did against Alabama's defense, it's all downhill from yeah. here. It's all kind of easy sailings from here. Not saying that every team is going to be easy, but he's seen the top dog, and now he gets to progress. Right. And as long as that ankle stays healthy, man, I think he, he's got playmakers, and they proved it. And that defense, if they can stay, if they can maintain how they played the rest of the year, I have no doubts this team will be at least a 9 or 10 win team. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, once Ewers makes it back, I mean, it's it's only going to get better. I would he, hope. He threw for 134 yards in the first quarter against Alabama. 9 of 12 he went. One in completion uh, was a perfect parabola tossed to, to Xavier Worthy in the end zone. Of course, of course, Worthy dropped the ball. Yeah. Uh, but And that, that stalled out the drive, and, and uh, they, they settled for a field goal there. But that 134 yards, that's the fourth highest first quarter total against one of Nick Saban's Alabama teams ever. Man, he looked good, too. He looked so ready for it. Just the ball spiraling Mm -hmm. effortlessly off his fingers. I've never really seen him even throw a pass, and I've seen what these first-year guys look like when they throw a ball, and it's kind of sometimes cringeworthy at times. a little weird, yeah. Yeah, but he kind of has a funky throwing motion, but I saw no issues. When that long ball he threw in the first quarter, like what was his fifth fifth throw of the game, just hucked it downfield. Right then and there, I knew he was ready. Yeah. Now, I got a feeling right from almost from the opening kickoff, I just got this feeling like Alabama didn't, like the fire that Alabama typically plays with, it's almost like it's almost like they were a little intimidated coming in here to Austin. Not to only play. that, they'd never really played this early. Right. There's and so yeah, I think that definitely had an effect on them that Texas was ready for because they're used to this sort of sort of game. Yeah. Uh, so of course, you know we had we had the issue with uh, with Quinn Ewers going out, had to shift it up with uh, with Hudson Card, and and uh, you know when it when it came down to it, finally as to you know whether or not uh, Coach Sark was going to have to to make any other moves, you know I mean he obviously settled with uh, with Card, and and uh, he you know talked a little bit about about whether or not the game plan changed actually when Hudson Card took over. Well, the game plan didn't change. What changed the game plan was when Hudson couldn't move. <laughs> You know, uh, when your quarterback can't move and you're going against that defensive front, that's when it started to change some. And we had to start really tweaking and tweaking on the fly uh, to protect him, quite frankly. So it wouldn't have changed if he was if he was healthy and feeling good. But ultimately, you know, got rolled up. And so things had to start getting adjusted. I thought Hudson handled it great. You know, a couple really good completions there, a couple big scrambles. You know, he's always used his legs well. Big time completion to Casey Kane there on the final drive to uh you know, second to last drive to get us down there for the field goal as a guy who, you know, he wasn't getting first team reps all week. So when you're coming in those types of situations, they're never easy. And I thought he performed uh, more than, you know, more than admirably for us. I, he was a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Talk about guts. Yeah. You know, uh, absolutely. Uh, the highest credit is due to Hudson card for his performance there. But of course, you know, as we said, you've got Quinn Ewers, one of the what ifs about Saturday's game. Also, 
that non-safety, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, and, and whether or not that, that uh, you know, how, how Sark thought about that, because a lot of people like that as, as uh, I, a lot of people disagreed with the call there. They can't review intentional grounding. So I'm not sure what the initial call was. It was really just kind of odd that the play kind of ended. No one signaled incomplete. No one signaled safety. They just signaled targeting. And then they reviewed the targeting and then deemed it an incomplete pass, but you can't review intentional grounding. If they had ruled intentional grounding on the field, then they would have discussed or they would have discussed in the moment. But I think a lot of the attention was on did DeMarvion target the quarterback, which he did not. So then it went to, by rule, you can't review intentional grounding. So the Longhorns have, have impressed so many people. Not not only just yesterday or Saturday, but also I mean there was a lot of people who a lot of people were impressed by the by the opener against losing Monroe. Mm-hmm. You know, even though there was a lot of downplaying of the well, it was losing gave you Monroe, confidence. Blah blah blah. But now you've you've done that against a, a very unranked team and the best team in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, there's hope. Yeah, and and I think uh, Sark thinks so too. Yeah, the fight's not over. You know, we just got done saying that. The fight's not over. You know, you, you don't fight for one game and then, you know, th- th- we got round three next week. You know, the fight the fight's going on. And so, you know, the bell's going to ring and we got to come out of the corner again and we got to start swinging again. So I think the way that our team looks at this is, man, if that was the best team in the country and, and we took them down to the wire, then that should instill a lot of confidence in us when, when we practice really well, when we prepare really well, when we go into the game, games uh, with the right state of mind. We can play with about anybody. And so that's the challenge, right? It's, it's the work we do throughout the week uh, that prepares us for game day, and, and we, guess we can't lose sight of that. Got to keep, keep your eyes on the prize on the long term. And, of course, Sark has said his long-term plan is – just play in uh, Arlington on December 3rd. I'm still not over that safety, that phantom safety. That was a safety through and through. Yeah, I think it was too. Regardless of him being down, he threw the ball. He wasn't outside the pocket. He didn't make it back to the line of scrimmage. At least it didn't look like it. It looked no. like intentional grounding. It did. It did. I'm not over that. We got more uh, more college football talk and uh, a lot of NFL talk on the way, including, uh, well, Cowboys fans, your season may be over as Oof. quickly as it began. Oof. Well, if you haven't heard why, we will explain coming up here on the bullpen. This is the bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. A bunch of positives. You know, first of all, I'll say I'm so proud of our team. Let's call it like it is. Nobody gave us a chance in this game. None of you, none of the national media, nobody gave us a chance, okay? But our, we believed in our locker room we could go win this game. And we played like a team that believed they could win this game. And we played like a team that thought they were going to win the game. Things happen, bad breaks happen, we end up not winning. So I'm super proud of our guys that they played our style of football, our brand of football. I thought we played with great energy from, from start to finish. I thought we had tremendous effort in all three phases. I thought we played a tough brand of football. I thought we, we, we were hitting, we were physical. I thought we were mentally tough. You know, we overcame a lot of adversity today. I thought we made plays when we had some opportunities to make them. And I thought we played pretty smart today. You know, I don't think there was any plays where you're like, what, you know, what are they doing? So that's, that's our style. And I'm, I'm proud that we played our style of football, our brand of football against a quality team. So yeah, there's a lot to be proud of, but 
I know when I watch this tape, there's going to be a lot of things that I know we can improve upon. And that's the key to the drill to any season, especially early in the season, is that we've got to continue to improve individually across the board so that we can improve collectively. And there's plenty for us to, to work on, to get better at. Clearly, you know, this was a physical game. I think both teams are probably a little bit beat up coming out of this one. So we might have some opportunities for some other guys that are going to have to step up and help contribute to the team. Texas Longhorns head coach Steve Sarkeesian there after Saturday's loss to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Although, I don't know. You know, it, yes, technically it was a loss, but in many ways, I still consider this a win. I don't feel bad about it. And no, honestly, you expected to lose anyway. So the fact that you only lost by one point should give you all the confidence in the world for this team the rest of the year. If this was a week eight game, you know, like we talked about, it should have been a night game and, and there's potential. I don't, I, maybe Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt. Who knows? Maybe it's a whole different story. Right, so right. I, it, there, I there's, there's too many what ifs, what ifs in a situation like this, in a game like this. So you just have to chalk it up as take the confidence you get you, you got from playing so well against the best team in, the, in, in college football and take it out on the rest of the schedule. That's right. Uh, so, you know, for, for guys like us, we're, we're pretty happy with, with this outcome. Yeah. We would have wanted to win, but... Uh, we can but, be real. But for guys like linebacker DeMarvion Overshawn, he says, I'm excited about the rest of the season. Still feels like a loss to me, though, he says. so That's fair, and that's good. That means they got a chip on, your shoulder, on their shoulder the rest of the year. That's right. Now, you, uh, you know, you, we mentioned the what-ifs, and what if Quinn hadn't gotten hurt, all that stuff. Well, you know, a lot of football fans have been wanting to hear some updates from, from Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, on various injuries coming out of the weekend. You know, Texas on multiple key players coming up, uh, various injuries uh, in that tough uh, one-point loss against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But there actually uh, today wound up being a bit of an update that Sark provided on a quarterback that wasn't really expected by many. Uh, Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods asked Sark about the progress and development of true freshman quarterback Malik Murphy since he arrived, arrived on campus during the spring semester. And Sark said, responded by saying, quote, he's not healthy, end quote. And that's all we heard from him. I honestly expected him to be in the game after Hudson got hurt. Well, I was looking for him. There but. were a lot when you looked all. I was looking all over Twitter, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people saying the exact same thing. Where's Murphy? Where's Murphy? Where's Murphy? Mm-hmm. You know, we need to see this kid. Um, and and uh, apparently, Charles Wright was was the man up yeah. next instead. I've never even heard that name all year, but yeah, yeah, all off season it was Murphy, yours, and Cards. Right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, as we know right now, uh, we don't know why. We just know. Uh, uh, Quarterback Malik Murphy, not healthy, according to, to Sark. That's a bummer. Uh, and then, uh, we, moreover, we heard him say the two injured, other injured QBs, uh, Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card, are quote-unquote day-to-day coming out of the weekend, although we we have heard a little bit more about Ewers out, what, four to six weeks. Four to six, yep. So, you know. Uh, and, and Get healthy. Then, yeah, and then you know you combine that with some other injuries, mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, I'm drawing blanks here. <laughs> Why am I drawing blanks? Who, who are you thinking ACL of? tears. Uh, the Longhorns ACL tears. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm blanking too now. I've, I've had a, a long Monday. I'm going to blame it on that. Well, good morning. Uh, I would have known any other time. Anyway, uh, long, yeah, the, the point being, the Longhorns are dealing with some injuries that they would rather not, and that most of us would rather not see either. So. Yeah, it's tough, but you know that's why they have so much depth. And they got the right coach. Yeah. So. Yep. Now over in uh, the NFL, Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, speaking of injured quarterbacks, expected to have surgery today on his right thumb after he was hurt in the season opener 
and their 19 to 3 loss against Tampa Bay last night. He didn't even look good before he got hurt. No, he didn't look great. And he's expected to be out six to eight weeks with an injury that's uh, going to land him on the IR. He, he was hurt in the fourth quarter. Yep. So uh, he made it through most of the game. And like you said, he didn't look great. Did not look great. That entire team didn't look that great. Well, I even mean, if it was against Tampa Bay, and they didn't look that great. They didn't look great. But when you consider the fact that the Cowboys, they scored three points. And I, that came early in the game. Mm-hmm. No, no touchdowns. The last time the Cowboys scored fewer than six points in a season opener was 1989. Ouch. It was a 28 to nothing loss against the Saints, right? <laughs> and oh uh, Prescott's two and five in season openers, uh, completing 14 and 29 and, uh, for 134 yards yesterday. Intercepted once, sacked twice, and they were held without a uh, a touchdown in a season opener for the first time in 21 years. I don't know what they expected on offense when you only have one wide receiver and you have an unhealthy third wide receiver waiting in Michael Gallup. So I'm really not sure what anybody, coaches, fans, front office expected from this team because besides Micah Parsons, everything else is a mess. And, And Trayvon Diggs, Everything else is a mess on this team. All right. Now, here's Dak on his hand injury. Thought I jammed it. I mean, I've uh, hit my hand on helmets or bodies a lot in my career um, and never really had anything, maybe a jammed finger here, and I actually thought that's what it was. Just the next play, realized I couldn't grip the ball, let the sideline know. And then when I got off, yeah, I told the trainers the same thing. I was just like, I can't grip. I feel like if you yank it, I'll be okay. And no, came in, got x-rays, and Ugh. things are different. Ugh. Now, head coach Mike McCarthy calls this a significant injury. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I mean, you're at six to eight weeks. It's certainly not minor. Uh, so the Cowboys are going to go with Cooper Rush as their starting QB beginning next week against the Bengals. Oof. Will Greer, the team's number three quarterback, currently on the practice squad. But uh, uh, Dak uh, had a bit of a, a message for Cooper Rush. Yeah, I'll be there to support him. I'll be there to support this whole team and coaching staff and everybody, uh, every step through it. And, and for Coop, just continue to prepare, continue to approach the way that he's done for five, what, six years now. Going back to his, his rookie year, I mean, Coop's always been a guy that I've turned to, whether it be the scheme or whether it just be for help. And I'll, now I'll be able to, to help him in these uh, next several weeks and just hopefully get the best out of him and the best out of this team. So this thumb injury kind of caps off a, a bit of a, a strange week for Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as, as you might remember, we talked about this last week. Uh, he was limited in Thursday's practice because of a sore ankle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he blamed that on a new pair of cleats. Um, he kept insisting it was fine, you know, but of course he suffered that compound fracture and dislocation of the right ankle in game five of the 2020 season. So and He's had a bum shoulder and for bum the last shoulder. couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so injuries are, are uh, proving to become more and more of a problem for, well, for Dak Prescott. Glad Dak got his money. Uh, he completed passes to four different receivers on the opening drive uh, as the Cowboys moved 54 yards on 14 plays. They took a 3-0 lead after a 51-yard field goal. Uh, then they went three-plus uh, they, they went the three plus series before they'd gained another first down, and that was on a 12-yard run by Dak Prescott. Even CeeDee Lamb didn't have a great game. No, you it know? was triple-team the whole game. One pass after Double the first team, drive and team. just one more from Prescott the rest of the way. Yeah. It was uh, it was awful. It was exactly what I thought they would look like. Mm-hmm. He had a hundred. <laughs> Dak had one hundred thirty four yards, second fewest he's had in a game that he's started and finished in his career. I mean, I watched one play where I think Ceedee Lamb and Dalton Schultz ran into each other on a screen, a wide receiver screen. Like it was a total mess because Dalton Schultz couldn't get this blocker away from him, and he was right in the lane of Ceedee Lamb. And I just the body language after Ceedee Lamb missed that ball was it was. Very obvious yeah. that things are not good. Things are not right. Yeah, they look like the things Cowboys of old or, well, not even that old. Not even. Honestly. Uh, and it shouldn't be like that. CeeDee Lamb is way too good. He is, he is far better than he looked yesterday. Yeah. 
Uh, here's Jerry Jones on deck. Doc will be out for a little while, and so uh, we'll be dealing with that as well. So uh, this was a, a really tough night for the Cowboys, but uh, and and a really uh, a surprising night. But uh, uh, of course, really add to it right there at the end to uh, lose him for several weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm with him. It's a Six big, it's a big loss for the Cowboys, indeed. And of course, you know, when when you're the quarterback and you're the team leader like that, of course, you uh, no, you are it. Well, Dak, the Cowboys were only going to go as far as Dak Prescott well, took them, right, right. But I just in general, yeah. you're the signal caller. You're you're the team's leader, and so of course, you know, you you, uh, you 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 leave your mark on the team and you make a big impact. And so as Dak's going to be out, you know, uh, there's the question of what kind of impact can you have? Every which way, whether it just be throughout the week or in the game days, making sure that these guys understand these different looks, different situations, just communicating, whether it even be routes and things that I can see, I see when I get back that I want them to do. Y'all know me, I'll, I'll never stop. Uh, and I'll just keep going and I'll, I'll feed these young guys as much as I can and, Team, defense as well. Everybody, they'll have them all and they'll have my support. So whatever I can do to help the team in this role. I mean, that's about all he's going to be able to do. Good luck to you. Yeah. Good luck to you, Dak. Uh, Mike McCarthy, though, uh, was seen. uh, Some genuine reaction was caught uh, on camera. Kind of difficult to to see exactly what he said or hear what he said. But the trainer pointing to to the thumb and McCarthy looked visibly upset by it, Mm -hmm. visibly distraught by the news. Uh, Of course, Dallas coming off a 12-5 and year last year. Uh, team's playoff run cut short by the 49ers. I don't think they're going to go 12-5 and five this year, especially no. with Dak out like it is now. Yeah. And if they look at all like they – I mean, if they look in, in games down, you know, further down the season, I mean, if they look at all like they did last night, forget about it's it. Gonna be a, it's going to be a tough done. season. Yeah. Your season's already oh done. Now, Tom Brady, uh, you know, reacting uh, you know, to, to the win last night. That's one down, one and oh. Mike came up big. Julio came up big. Defense came up big. My boy Lanning actually took a teddy from him tonight, throwing it to Mike. Good to start the year 1-0. Now we're on the road. We'll be ready to go. We'll see you there. Look, you can just hear Did you hear that in the background at the very end? Somebody was making a, a, a goat noise. No. Did you hear that at the very I end? Didn't hear that. I just heard that. <laughs> Sound like someone's going, bah. I didn't hear that. No. <laughs> Well, because he was, you know, he was on his phone coming out of the tunnels. Uh, I was on his uh, social media post. I feel like Tom Brady has never been mad a day in his life. Can we hear and, that and one more time? I don't want to like, I don't want to hurt yeah. Cowboys fans, but listen at the very, very end. So we're listening for a goat. At listen the to it. All right, that's one down, one and zero. Oh. Mike came up big. Julio came up big. Defense came up big. My boy Lanning actually took a teddy from him tonight, throwing it to Mike. Good to start the year, one and zero. Oh. Now we're on the road. We'll be ready to go. We'll see you there. You hear that? I heard, I heard that. Some some sort like of like gurgling like noise. Going, <laughs> I mean, look, he's the goat. So he I, I'm going to assume that was a goat noise. He's drinking that Michelob but Ultra anyway, gagging on it. Look, he didn't even look that good last no. night. They were. I mean, he was throwing the ball all over the place. He was frustrated. He looked just as bad as Aaron Rodgers looked. 19 to three. Buccaneers open up their season against the Cowboys. Sorry, Cowboys. Uh, of course. Uh, there's Come a, join me in the in the depths below. You see the video of uh, Leonard Fournette hitting hitting uh, Mike, Micah Parsons, Cowboys no. linebacker Micah Parsons. Oh, I saw it in real time. It's gaining traction Ooh. on social media right now. He uh, took him off. Tampa Bay's running back. He was he's getting praised for the play, but uh, at least well, there, there's a lot of criticism out there. And in fact, uh, Von Miller, Bill, Bill's outside linebacker, he's calling uh, the, the, for the move. It's basically a little chip block. Yeah. He's calling for that move to be eliminated from the NFL. So it's uh, dangerous to the play. It looked like it hurt. He says the block has to be taken out of the game. This is the future. We're just letting the offense tee off on our marquee pass rushers. 
You can get the job done without this much contact, end quote. That's um, that's fresh coming from a guy like Von Miller. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you go look at, at some of the other re- reactions I've seen on all over social media, I mean, people saying it was clean, well-timed hit. That's a lot of wine over a simple chip block. He just hit him really well. Yeah. He hit him below the sh- or below the head, near the shoulder. But the problem is, Fournette is not a small running back. No. And he took Micah Parsons off the ground. He hey. lifted him off the yeah. ground with his shoulder. Just straight up knocked him down. I thought Micah Parsons was going to get hurt after that. I thought he might have shoulder. Yeah, he's going to definitely be sore. It was straight up legal, 100%. It was absolutely legal. Von Miller can say what he wants. I can see why it can be potentially dangerous because that was potentially a blindside hit on on Parsons. It could have been called that, but... Uh, truth, know, truth be told, in a, NFL players whine more than NBA players. Thank God, hockey season's about to start. Yeah. For God's sake, the problem is some real. Most of these, most of these NFL players don't get paid enough for how hard they get hit. So, I kind of see the both sides, but it is football. No, I get, I get where they, he's coming they, from. They signed, they signed up for this. I get where he's coming from. Yeah. Did you get a chance to check out the Texans Colts game? Now this I did not. <laughs> uh, this went way different than I thought it was going to go. Now, did Sam Ellinger uh, make not, it on the field? Uh, not no, when I was watching. No, no, no. he he's, certainly didn't. He's third quarter. He certainly didn't. Uh, but you know, I my prediction was the Colts were just going to be passing all over, all over the the, the Texans. You would think secondary didn't really happen. I mean, there were there were moments, and the Texans certainly didn't look stellar, but neither the Colts. And they look like a better coach team. I can tell you that the Texans, the Texans, well, they, yes. I, they, they are. Yeah, they very much are. And I'll and I'll I'll go out on a limb and say I think that Lovey Smith is a better is a better head coach than Mike McCarthy. Do you think? Bear with me now. Don't freak out. Do you think the Houston Texans will have a better record than the Cowboys at season's end? You know what? Uh, Friday, uh, head, heading into the weekend of games. No. Yeah, I mean obviously, but today. There's a real good chance. Yeah. There's a real That's good really chance scary. both teams could end their season perfectly mediocre. I'd say more. I'd say, I'd say, I, I, I just, the way, man, I mean, look, the Cowboy, it's really hard to say this, but the Cowboys looked so bad yesterday. They did. I can almost see the Texans being more more mediocre. Or, uh, I can see the Cowboys less being mediocre. Yeah, the Texans being less mediocre than the Cowboys are this season. I just I don't know anything about Cooper Rush, but the, no one's going to take him seriously. They're going to sell out on him almost the entire game. Prove that he can make a throw, make a deep throw. Prove that Ceedee Lamb can avoid uh, double triple coverage. I think the Texans might have a better season now. Well, you make a good argument for it. Uh, I'll tell you one thing they're going to have to do, though, if, if they're going to want that better record and a, and a, and a better season overall, they're going to actually have to go for it <laughs> instead of settling for a punt yeah. and a 20-20 tie to 20 tie yeah. open up their season. Yeah. It's Lovey Smith catching a little heat for this decision. Uh, he had a chance to go for it on a short fourth down, 20 seconds left to go in overtime at NRG Stadium in Houston. He opted to punt instead. Resulting in that 2020 tie with the Colts. So neither the uh, Colts nor the Texans have a win on their record. And yet, as of right now, both sit atop the AFC South. Hey, Seahawks are uh, first place in the NFC West because they haven't played a game yet and everyone else lost. <laughs> so even if they lose tonight, they're still tied for first, baby. Patrick Woo! Mahomes. Uh, Let's go. Patrick Mahomes is uh, approaching some record territory. More on that. Also, Record territory nearing for the great Albert Pujols as yes. he takes one step closer. That and more right here, coming up on the bullpen.
The Bullpen with Patrick and Brandon on 1027 ESPN. That's right. 1027 ESPN is where you find yourself. The Bullpen, Patrick and Brandon on this Monday afternoon with you for the next, what, 20 or so minutes? Happy Monday. 18 or so minutes we got left in the show. Happy Monday indeed, my friend. Uh, Or if you're a Cowboys fan, maybe not so happy. Uh, definitely not a happy Monday for Cowboys fans. Yeah. yeah. But when is it ever in Cowboys Nation happening? At least it happened early, you know? So I guess yeah, they so can you, you have low the, expectations for the next three months. Get the pain over with now. <laughs> so you're not just sitting there fooling yourselves oh. throughout the rest of the season. Look, I can only laugh because I'm going to be sitting right there with them all season long. Well, Look, we're going to be doing anything We're going to enjoy year? this right. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect from this team. I expect some interceptions and some fumbles. Probably in key moments. If they're if not, they may have a chance this year to to win a couple game extra games, overachieve. You like Pete Carroll as a coach? I do. As head coach, I do. So I uh, was at I was an intern at ESPN Radio when he was first hired as coach of the Seahawks, and the perception from the team when he was first hired from inside sources because I was with the guys when they were talking to him because I heard all this all these conversations. They were not expecting anything from him. They thought this rah-rah thing would only be good in college. No NFL players would take it seriously. Yeah. And what are we, 12 years later, 10 years well. later, it's worked out pretty okay. I mean, he it was straight from USC to Seattle, mm-hmm. right? There was nothing yep. in between. Nope. Yeah. No break, nothing. Well, straight to him. one he, to the next. He's, he's had a great career. I feel bad coach. for Jim Moore Jr. because he is a good guy. He's a good, definitely a good defensive coach. But it's obvious why he never got a job after one season with the Seahawks. It was brutal. Not too good. He's not. He was not ready then. He maybe now. I don't know where he is. But well, Pete Carroll has certainly uh, made the made the case for him being the right man there. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's not going to be for much longer. So we'll see. No doubt about it. He's gonna. I think he has at least three more years left, and then two or three more, and then he's out of there. And Patrick Mahomes has made his case for being the right man in Kansas City. And we thought he was going to be in trouble without Tyreek Hill. We what thought maybe we so. Thinking? We thought maybe so. <laughs> uh, of course, I don't think there's any question he's going to go down in history as uh, one of the all-time greats, barring any significant injuries that may sideline him early. Uh, or his wife driving him crazy or to that. the point of going crazy. But that's just marriage, my friend. I know. Welcome to marriage. I'm not there yet. Yeah, well, don't get there. <laughs> Just trust me on that one. I love you, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but only one game into his, uh, only one game so far into his, his full fifth fifth full season as a starter. Already uh, matching some accomplishments of some other all time greats. Uh, on Sunday, he threw five touchdowns. It was the sixth time in his career so far he's thrown five touchdown passes in a game. So that makes him that ties him for fourth on the all time list for games with five touchdown passes, matching Hall of Famer Dan Fouts. And future Hall of Famer, Ben Roethlisberger, who have six. I'm sorry, future Hall of Famer, Ben Roethlisberger? Are we really calling that future Hall of Famer? Well, he's got the numbers at least. Are you talking about his off-field antics that may bar him from? That's possible. Yes, I would Um, think so. The numbers at least are there. But yeah, you're right. Uh, So he needs three more games with five touchdown passes to catch Hall of Famer Peyton Manning. And future Hall of Famer Tom Brady. I think we're going to argue that. That makes sense. (laughs) Uh, So they would be tied for second with nine. Uh, At that point, he needs only two more more games with five more touchdowns to match Drew Brees. That's crazy. 11. I always forget forget just how good Drew Brees really is. Was. Was, whatever is. Yeah. I mean, is. He's still around. He still may come back. You never know. But how how great he was at the height of his career. Phenomenal. I don't know what... 
the San Diego at the time Chargers were thinking that that injury was going to you know ruin his career. Whoops. Yeah. yeah. Now, often too, I feel like when when he gets he he's often forgotten when you when you throw him in against guys like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady because he's big right there names with like that. But he's just as good, mm-hmm. arguably better in some some areas. Um, but yeah, those were some fun Saints team to watch. Yeah, very they very were. fun. They were frustrating, but fun. But Pat Mahomes was spectacular yesterday, despite as you mentioned not having Tyreek Hill. Uh, don't be surprised if that continues all year long. We're we'll going to find out again uh, just about three nights from now when the Chiefs host Chargers' first ever streaming only primetime regular season game on Amazon Prime Video. We'll see. How we'll, well see. Uh, we'll out. see how they. Uh, defend Travis Kelsey the rest of the year because that's where Mahomes took most most advantage of last uh yesterday. Yeah. It is the Cardinals. They do have a pretty good defense. Um but we'll see. It was the Cardinals. Yeah. It was the Cardinals. <laughs> and I'm not saying the I mean the Cardinals are in the same division as me as as the Hawks, but I just I've never believed in them. I really haven't. I don't I have any especially after Murray, the offseason Kyler Murray just had I don't yeah. Yeesh. I, I think this is also going to be a test for Amazon Prime and it, doing its streaming-only primetime regular season game. It'll be the first ever time they've done that. They didn't have great numbers in the preseason. I know they're preseason, but you know if Amazon wants to make sure it's, it's raking in the revenue here, it better get on get on it when it comes to marketing this because I'd be willing to bet dollars to donuts. There are a ton of NFL fans out there right now that do not know how to watch the game on Thursday. Is it only Amazon Prime? Streaming only. That's stupid. Streaming only primetime game first ever. Better download. Amazon Prime. Better so, download the yeah. app. So pay your 150 bucks or whatever if you're not an Amazon Prime member because otherwise... I really hope they S-O-L. do the same thing that Apple Apple TV Plus did where the first year you don't have to have a subscription to watch the games because they do Friday night showcases now. I would hope at least for this year that they wouldn't charge, make people have to buy I bet Prime. they do. That would be stupid. I bet they do. Maybe not for the first game, but I bet they do. I haven't heard anything about them not. I you know give give everyone a year to to watch and and figure out if this is something they want before you make. You, I mean, it is Amazon. You it and is your Jeff common Bezos. sense. Come on, man. You and your. Common we are talking sense about there. Amazon here. So uh, let's talk a little baseball, shall we? Okay. Where uh, there was a, a real neat moment yesterday involving one of the greatest hitters of all time. I would argue there were a few neat moments. There yesterday. were a few neat moments. <laughs> uh, one of which, home run number 697 for Albert Pujols. And he picked a great time to do it. He delivered this blast in the ninth inning of their win last night, yesterday, against the uh, 4-3 win over the Pirates. So it moves him past Alex Rodriguez, now into fourth all-time on the home All by himself. Goes. All by himself with 697. The only guys in front of him are in the 700s. That's crazy. Which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, he made a real classy gesture here. Uh, very fitting of his renowned reputation he's built over his 22-year career. Ball was caught by Pirates fans, a husband and wife couple, uh, Matt and Samantha Brown. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Pujols met with them after the game, and the pair was attending the game on the one-year anniversary of Samantha Brown's father's death. So when they offered that home run ball back to Pujols, he declined. He said, "You keep it. It'll mean more to you than it would to me." And by the way, here are two more game or two more baseballs that I've signed for. So he <laughs> wow. let them keep his 697th. That, yeah, I hope he signed that, that one too. Yeah, yeah, well, of course he did. Okay, but that put, that ball put him fourth all time on the list. Yeah, and he he would rather it go to some fans uh, who who he felt it, it meant more to them. I just think that's. 
I cannot believe I I hated Albert Pujols for so many years. I know, right? You know, Seriously. back in the back in the old NL rivalry with the Astros in the, mm-hmm. the mid two thousands. This guy is a great example of, of of sportsmanship, of of how the best do it, how to extend your career through a ridiculous amount of twenty two freaking years. God, I'm really my fingers cro- are crossed for a twenty third year. I am mine too. I really I really think it's set up for him to pass Babe Ruth. And you know what? I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Seven, knowing knowing the pool host now that I know, compared to one that I couldn't stand watching against the Angels for so long, you know, you and I both can mm-hmm, attest to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy's amazing. He's 17 home runs away right now from uh, passing Babe Ruth. You got. I mean, he's got 22 no, games 14, left. Yeah, 17. You, you got to think he can at least get to 700. And I, I think if he gets to 700, he may come back next year. It may be a different role. I don't know if he wants Straight to hang with his family. Hitter. I mean, he's been doing this for 20-plus years. Obviously, his family has taken, you know, they've probably got a routine now to maybe be able to do it. One year, one more year for history. Yeah, one more year for history. I, I think a lot and of people legacy, want that. And that's legacy, and I think he appreciates his legacy. Now, I, I, I'm more convinced now that we will see a fourth member of the 700 Club before the end of this season. Pujols has three homers. That's all he got. Like you said, 22 games left. Mm-hmm. He's got 12 jacks since the All-Star break. Right, he's raised his season OPS to eight sixty six. That's his highest mark since two thousand eleven. He? He's forty two. <laughs> yeah, how it, it's eight what eight sixty six? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I 12, mean, and that's up there the with elite players. That's up there. That is up there that, with elite player that status. Is elite. That is elite. Yes, There's no question about but it. But I'm saying he's forty years old and doing yeah. that. And the only three guys that have hit more home runs than him are Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth. And asterisk Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, no asterisk. Uh, and and if he reaches that 700 homer plateau, he also uh, is probably going to become the second player along with Hank Aaron to ever hit seven home runs and 3,000 hits. Not not probably about it. He would. Yeah, he will. So he would be one of only two guys to ever do that. Wow. So good, good for, for him. him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Make it happen. I love talking to Kenny about it every day, too, because he's so excited. You don't see well, a lot Kenny of Rahmeyer. emotion from Kenny Rahmeyer, but he loves his Cardinals, and he is excited. He wants this, too. That Kenny was a Royals fan. No way. He's Cardinals through he's and Cardinals, through. Huh? Yeah, he bleeds okay. red. All right, well, good for him. Go, I, yeah. I'd go with the Cardinals over the Royals anytime. Go Pools. Uh, Astros, uh, they are, they've slowed it down a little bit in the second half of the season. Of course, when their offense is humming, it's, it's an absolute thing of beauty. But we hadn't been so pretty the second half of the season. Uh, they've topped five runs in a game only twice since they scored 21 against the White Sox on August 18th. Uh, but first team in the American League to reach 90 wins. 12-4 victory over the Angels yesterday afternoon at Minute Maid. Uh, they've been paced this year by a pitching staff. Best ERA in the American League. How's that rookie doing? Has he had another start? No, since I think his first, he, one? His first start, uh, I think that's all he's had so okay. far. Hunter Brown, I believe is his Hunter name. Hunter Brown, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, looked fantastic in his first start. I, a great, bright future ahead for that kid. It hurts me deeply to say positive things about the Astros. Well, you know, I mean, credit where credit's due. Yeah, you know? I know. Yeah, Especially for a rookie. So it's days like Sunday that remind you how dangerous the Astros can be on offense when they're firing on all cylinders. They hit five home runs, including a go-ahead grand slam by third baseman Alex Bregman in the third, inching closer to uh, to the Houston Astros' seventh playoff berth in the past eight seasons. Whoopee. 90 and 50 for the you Astros guys. are. They're tied with their 2019 club record right now, which set a major league record for slugging percentage that year and featured the one-two finishers in the AL Cy Young race that year as well. So I'm pretty sure if the Mariners make it out of the wild card, 
they will have to play the Astros. Yeah. And I need someone to hook up tickets because I cannot miss that. It's funny you mentioned the... Uh, I'm going to miss the their first playoff game in 21 years because I won't be able to make it to either Seattle or Tampa Bay or Toronto. No thank you. So I'd love to go to an Astros-Mariners playoff game. Holy moly. It was a pretty big game for the Astros. I mean, the, the Mariners yesterday. Yes, it was. Big moment for them. Two outs, tied at seven. Nobody on. Last of the ninth inning. The 1-1. Swing. On its way. Left center field. Flores tags it deep by the wall. Walk it off. <laughs> So, before I get into the game, can I just explain how lucky Seattle fans are to always seem to find some of the best broadcasters in the game? That was a great call. That's Aaron Goldsmith, who has also, uh, he was in the minor leagues before the Mariners hired him over in Boston. Uh, And ever since he's come over to join the Mariners, he has been on national broadcast for the Pac-12 Network and for Fox. That dude is just golden. And for the amount of broadcasters, great broadcasters Seattle has seen over the years in all their sports, he's going to go down in history as one of the best. Yeah, I, I, you keep making calls like that. I didn't even put on Julio's call the two ba- two, ba- two batters before to tie the game. Now I, what, he crushed it. What I think was funny about that call is I heard you pulling this audio earlier today. <laughs> I thought you were pulling a goal from the Seattle Sounders-Austin <laughs> FC game. It no sounded way. like he was calling goal. This shows the passion that our broadcasters have for, for their job and for this team. Yeah. Because this team is ridiculous. They were down. They were up 6-2 to two in the top of the ninth. And by the time that game that, that inning was over, they were down seven to six, and they looked the the cameras went to Julio Rodriguez uh, when the inning was over. You know, to you know they always kind of show a player coming right. off the field. Right. He had a smile from ear to ear that made you think that they had just won that game. Who could blame? Because he knew that he was going to be up first. Yeah. And what does he do on a one-one pitch? Crush he, a game time home. He hits the hardest hit home run the Mariners have. The hardest hit the Mariners have ever hit in a baseball game. Off of Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen, 117 miles an hour. He literally hit the scoreboard. And I listened to the Braves broadcaster, and they were like, he literally put a point on the board, hitting the scoreboard, tied it at seven, two batters later. Suarez crushes it. Suarez, yeah, in one of the deepest parts of the ballpark. And that was too. one of the, the one of the more thrilling, if not the most thrilling, victory this year. I think for the Mariners, took two out of three against the World Series reigning World Series champs. Man, they are they have a ninety nine point eight chance of breaking a twenty one year playoff drought. I saw that. I think they're going to do it. The closest team behind them right now is the uh, Orioles at six games, five and a half games. And if they keep winning, they may take the wild spot. They so, may take the top spot. So they're in a tie with Tampa Bay right now uh, mm-hmm. for the AL wild card spot. Half game ahead of Toronto for yep. the third and final spot. Six yeah. games plus a tiebreaker so, separate uh, Seattle from Baltimore, which is the first team on the outside. You can't see it, but my brain's going crazy. This is actually going to happen. So 22 games remaining. Drought is nearing an end for Seattle. Yeah. Barring an epic collapse. They don't play a team above 500 after this two-game Padres series coming up. The rest of the year, uh, the the some, and they love playing the Padres. There was there were more than forty five thousand people in attendance at that ball game. A All lot weekend. of people were yelling, "We belong!" 
we belong. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not hear that. Yeah. And I watched the, all three games. That is awesome. Yeah. I love these. Man, Seattle fans are the best. They're a playoff caliber team, no doubt. Uh, I, 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 I'm really excited to see just what they can do. Me too. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. I just that. want to see them get out of the wild card round. I think they can do it. They have the right pitching. They got the pitching to to match up with Houston or the Yanks. Yeah. I'm ready. Bring it on. Now, you know, you mentioned that the, the Mariners could match up with the Astros in the mm-hmm. postseason. So could the Yankees. Yep. Uh, that's, that's true. That's very, very likely. Of course, uh, Aaron Judge, top contender for the AL MVP, uh, along with Shoei Otani, two-way star for the uh, Los Angeles <laughs> The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Do they still call them that? Unfortunately. The, uh, yeah, Los Angeles. Just call them the Angels. I know. <laughs> uh, Boston Globe. Peter Abraham with the Boston Globe is, is out there saying that this is judges' race to lose, which I disagree. Yeah, I completely disagree. This is Otani's to lose, and I don't think he's going to. I don't either. I think it's his but, uh, for, for the taking. I don't, he, it would be an epic collapse for him to not make it. Mark McGuire also picking judge. Over uh, Otani oh, here. Oh, gee, I wonder ALVP why. Race, right? Mr. Home Runs. Uh, judge, of course, judge, of course, bidding to be the first Yankee to win the AL MVP since Alex Rodriguez stole it in 2007. <laughs> stole it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Otani, uh, he's the reigning AL MVP. 30 home runs, 10 wins the same season. First player in MLB history to do it. Show me a, a, a an under, a sub to, uh, av- uh, uh, what do you call it, ER, and then... From Judge, and then tell me he's the MVP. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Plenty of baseball left to play. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow here in the bullpen.